It's the sound Jack Flack makes when you stab him in fucking Final Fight. I don't know what any of that is. Oh, Jesus, Ryan. Hey, listen, Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 151. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. We're going to continue the arch of the ED8. We're going to continue the arch of the Hurdy Gurdy Birdy. Fucking stuff the turkey. What the fuck am I doing with my life? Oh, God. Okay. Hey, listen, Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 151. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. And we're going to continue the arc of the EDH and then by talking about a deck that we drank beer with last weekend. Now, hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole ton is going down. We're going to talk about the future that is the past. We're going to talk about a deck. We're going to talk about some new patron signouts. We're going to remind everybody that they can buy playmats from us. But before we do any of that, we've got to thank our official sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com. They're Canada's biggest magic store. Yeah, you pretty much did everything that we had to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, see you later. <laughs> Guess I don't have to do anything. Yeah, hit our theme song. Let's get <laughs> yeah, out of here. That's it. Uh, yeah, deck that we drank beer with last weekend. Well, you see, we're recording this before our normal recording. This is before the Extra Life charity event that we're going to be at this coming Saturday uh-huh. on a Wednesday right now. And we just assume that the architect behind the deck will have gone for beers with us. Yeah, he actually told us on last Friday's EDH&M that he never turns down beer. So, huh. I guess it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, famous last words, (laughs) sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, hey, Arc of EDH&M, we got the charity event coming up for Extra Life Saskatchewan. We're going to drink beer before and after. Probably, yeah. I mean, let's call it what it is, right? Yeah. We're doing our our new friend Aiden's deck that we've met through EDH&M. Yes. So actually perfect story fit for the arc, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about the commandy, then let's talk about everything else. Okay, now before we talk about the commander, I think it's important that we, we point out this is one of, would this be his most competitive one, do you think he says? I think so. I've seen him play two or three decks. This is one of them, and this is the one that he plays the least because our EDH night is our our, our EDH night at the local store that we play at is very fun focused, very casual focused, and not so competitive. There's no prizes or nothing, right? Yeah, so he yeah. doesn't play it very often. Yeah, this one isn't as tuned as it could be, but as we get into the list, it's pretty clear like what slots we could free up to put in some more competitive stuff. Like you can see where he made decisions to keep the deck from being what you expect when you hear Muldroth of the Gravetide. Very much so. But it's it's not quite there. So Muldroth of the Gravetide is a 6-6 elemental avatar for black, green, blue, three. During each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each type from your graveyard. So that's one creature, one land, one enchantment, one planeswalker, one artifact. Every turn from your graveyard. That's right. And I make the mistake a lot, and I'm sure when Muldrotha first came out, lots of people, when they were playing against it, made the mistake of thinking that they can play permanent cards from their graveyard on not their turn, which is not the case. Right. And also, they can't play instant or sorcery cards from their graveyard. Very important. A sorcery and an instant are not permanent types. That's right. They are they are permanently the type that they are, but they are not permanent. There is a difference. <laughs> and that is why magic is confusing. <laughs> They're not even permanently the types that they are all the time. That's true. That's what's right. The, what's the second rule of magic I ever learned was that you, you learn the rules, and then you learn that the best cards are the ones that break the rules. Yeah, especially in Commandy. Right? Right. <laughs> 
Look at last week's deck. Let's just play all these 10 drops for free. It's Ooh, right. Yeah. Feels good. Feels good. Okay, so that's the commander. We got a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. We we covered drinking beer. We covered the Extra Life charity event. You had mentioned play mats. They are for sale. CommanderCoco.com slash store. Me and Rebecca are having a play mat putting in envelopes date night tonight. <laughs> By the way, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're welcome for me doing all the work. <laughs> you're welcome. While I'm vacuuming the house and editing this here show, Hey, yeah, okay. Be, so you can come back in my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got that. They're for sale. And huge thank you to everybody who's bought them. They are going to go out this week. I think on Friday. Depends on how many I get done tonight because it's late. You know, we may just be drinking beer. I have to shower. Yeah. Um, this excuse, that excuse. You being, know. <laughs> being presentable is for the week. That's just... Oh, yeah, see yeah. the CCO pre-show from yeah. yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we told a little story where Brando was presentable for a, uh, what would you call the... Uh, would, I, would I say VIP? Uh, VIP is probably the right word, hey? The prime minister of our country? Yeah. Probably pretty important person. <laughs> so, who knew? Who if knew? If you're into that, uh, maybe the link to the pre-show will be in the show notes today. Yeah, you can <laughs> check it out. It was, it was a good time. Speaking of the pre-show. Pre-show. Sharing, subscribing, commenting on any of our YouTube content. Nice. Excellent way to get yourself entered into the Arc of EDH&M's deck giveaway. It's the Fairy Brawl deck, right? Yes. Alila, Alela. Al yeah. I've heard it either way. Artful Provocateur. It's the Esper Fairy Throne of Eldraine Brawl deck. Yes. So it's got an arcane signet in it, and you could have it. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Could be yours. Shipped to your door. By sharing any of our giveaway posts that helps grow the show. We very much appreciate that. And if you want to, on any of the, the social media posts, give us your best EDH&M story. That is your Friday night magic or your local gaming night magic experience. Where maybe you've helped a new player or you've got a good story from, you know, everybody coming together and having a good time. Drinking beers after maybe. Something yeah. like that. Maybe you massacre worm natural affinity to everybody's lands. That literally happened to me yesterday. I did it. Yep. <laughs> and you know what happened in the very next game? Oh, I was thinking lots about that. Dude. I don't know how I feel about that. You shut your dang no, mouth. I blew up all the land. There was one turn cycle, and I immediately won the game. That is correct. That game went for another hour and a half. So we'll set the stage. Okay. Game one. I played two games. Game one. I get Massacre Wormed, Massacre Worm on the stack, Natural Affinity, make all lands, two twos, they all die. Everybody lost a whole bunch of life. Alex died. Yes. And then... One turn cycle later, it was just... Um, I needed to give my guys haste. So, yeah. like, it was basically giving my dudes haste so I could get four lands into play to make my Avenger of Zendikar plant token super big and just attack for the win. Giving your dudes haste was killing all creatures and all lands. Yes. So everybody just went Drago, 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 and then... Yeah. Oh, my guy has haste. <laughs> yes, I basically have haste. And then the next game was whenever you cast or your next Planeswalker activation gets copied twice. Yeah. So Smitty... In superfriends.deck with a, a Johnny Vengeant ultimate online, minus destroy all lands, target player controls. He goes, triple it, destroy your lands, destroy your lands, destroy your lands. And then the game went on for like another hour and a half. Yeah. And you know how that game ended? Smitty did not win, and I lost to infinite turns on the back of Maloku and Mystic Sanctuary. The exact same way I lost 
um, when I played this deck for the last time, the, the deck that we're covering today. Oh, the tie-in is real. Oh, dude. I, oh, I'm the king of segues today. That, that is good. I like that. There's a little teaser there. That's, That's it. fun. One last segue, and I'm just going to jump right to it. If you'd like to help the show grow, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can get yourself a funny nickname. We've got two today. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. First one, no name, so we've got to give them one. That's how it works. I should say alias, screen name, Patreon name, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Goblin Machinist. Good card. Good card, I I assume, because you're the goblin player. I'd like to say thank you. Brando has a name for you. Let's go with Trevor Resnick. Trevor Resnick. That is the goblin-looking machinist from the machinist played by an emaciated christian bale yes he all he needed was green skin that was gross oh, yeah dude Woof. okay Woof. trevor resnick pseudo celebrity patron we're just racking them up everybody wants to be part of the nation that's right all of hollywood's coming in <laughs> yeah, we got and, batman now that's and, awesome and half of major league baseball yes yes <laughs> second shout out increased pledge i assume to get a nickname oh definitely yes i don't know why people want these no. <laughs> Anthony Bockley. I'll bet you he tastes awful and he works. Just like Buckley's. Tastes awful and he works. Yep. Just like your mother. Oh. Got him. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Wrecked. I don't want to know what that means. I don't either. Don't Google it. But there it is. Anthony Buckley's and Trevor Resnick. Welcome aboard. Very much. Oh, hey. Uh, last thing from the pre-show. We talked about Patreon sign-up alters. Oh, Yeah. Leave them in the comments of wherever you're getting this or let us know on Twitter at CCO Podcast, at CCO Brando. Do you want Brando Christmas altars? I am not very good, but I will try really hard. I have got markers that will make it very easy for Brando. Ooh. So if that's you, you let us know. We'll we'll get some tokens, probably goblin tokens if there it's you. you. Yeah. Maybe uh maybe plant tokens because you're an Avenger of Zendikar. Yeah. Uh, f- uh maybe some elemental tokens from Angry Omnath. Also good. What else? What other kinds of tokens do you use? I I use zombies lots, so I do lots of zombies. That's like what I. I think that's that's basically mm-hmm. it. There's like four kinds of elemental, and then the goblin. There it is. So let us know in the comments or on Twitter. Yeah, if I'd, I'd be happy to help out and take some of the the weight off of Ryan's back. I just want to see funny Brando alters because <laughs> you 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 have a different way of thinking about it than I do. You just you just draw different stuff than I do. <laughs> I just, I just draw. I just do things. That's it. <laughs> Art is just exploding out of every orifice of his body. That's how it sounds when I'm, when I'm drawing. I actually make that sound. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, got to gotta mention before we go on any further, we forgot to mention it earlier, $25 gift card at face-to-facegames.com. Yeah. Yeah, you, you tag face-to-face and us in any kind of social media posting, and you get yourself entered to win. $25 at face-to-facegame.com on your account if you have one. Oh, the last winner told me, he he messaged me and said what he was going to buy with it. I don't remember what it was, but it was something just hella jank. Oh, And good. I liked it, and I was like, oh, sick. That is awesome. I don't remember what it was. Sorry. It'll be something good, I'm Put sure. myself on the spot there. <laughs> shoot myself in the own foot. <laughs> oh. But yeah, if you want to win, give, win giveaway things, please enter to win, and it'll be good. CCO Brando, CCO Podcast, Twitter at tapedout.net. Kind of cool gmail.com, Facebook, YouTube, all those places. Help us, share us, grow us, and uh, you could it could be yours. That's it. All that stuff could be yours. Should we do a deck? I guess. Let's do a deck. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. So we got Maldrothy, 
the Gravetide. You know what? I typed up the notes and I always include the name of the commander right at the top of the document. And I typed in Muldratha the Gravytide by accident. <laughs> so now in my head all the time, it's Gravytide. Nice. And if anybody's into maybe a gravy boat Christmas altar, just throwing it out there. <laughs> That's something that Brando can do. That is something I could probably do. I know how, it, I know how those things are shaped. Uh, this was sent in to our friend Aiden from EDH&M. If you have a list that you take to EDH&M or one that you see at your local EDH night and you could procure the list of it, send it to us at any of the social media coordinates that I gave you a minute ago or, or that, are down or that the, you can find on commander cookout uh, com. got there got there i haven't said that i missed that last week yeah. oh feels good feels good thanks for the setup there ryan send them in to us we're still looking to fill out some more spots in the deck and we're or in the arc i should say and we're doing a very special bonus episode that we will need several lists for so get them in now get them in often it's gonna be great I'm very excited. I'm stumbling over my shit. This is. This I was. Is I was good. trying to. Ma- I wasn't lost for words. I was trying to make up a dirty joke, but I. I just missed it. <laughs> it went whizzing by. All right. This is deck time. D- deck time. All right. We'll start with creatures as we want to do. I would say we're going to do them alphabetically, but we're fucking not. Brad figured out on tapped out that we can mix them all up, <laughs> so they're all mixed up. So, so I spent a long time mixing them up. I had a great deal of fun. We're going to start with coiling oracle. Simic, 1-1, one, one, Snake, Elf, Druid. What? Yeah, meaningful creature types, I guess. When it enters the battlefield, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it into play. If it's a permanent card, put it into your hand. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't screw any of those words up. Me too. Good on you, man. Yeah, yeah that's it. No Spe- beer today yet. <laughs> Give us time. Next up, we have an Azusa, Lost But Seeking. Three mana, Creech. You can play two extra lands. She's real good. Yeah. I like the new art better than the old art. What do you think? It's fine, you see. I've actually altered both of them. They're fine. Which one's easier? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. How about the Littlest Planeswalker? That's a death right shaman. That's right. It's a Golgari hybrid for a 1-2 elf shaman. You can tap, exile a land card from a graveyard. You get a mana. Black, exile a instant or sorcery card. Each opponent loses two life. Green, tap, exile a creature from a graveyard. I gained two life. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking at the first, like, bunch of cards. You know how I said I altered Azusa? I altered, like, almost every card that we've looked at so far. <laughs> like, every one on the screen. How about Corsair of Crewfix? Oh, I like this one. I don't actually own this card. This is a 2-4 for three, so it's, like, getting pretty cool already. Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may play the top card of your library if it's a land. When a land enters the battlefield under your control, gain one life. So I'm going to shorthand that with, like, just by calling it landfall. If I say landfall, gain one life, everybody knows what I mean, right? I hope so. Okay. Yeah, at this point, I'm sure that people get that one. Uh, Corsair of Crufix is fine. He doesn't make you play an extra land, which always confused. I always thought that he let you play the land off the top. I just effing tease you with it. Yeah, you know what? It's like, well, you know, you can... Well, you can play it, but you, you can't, can't like, play, play it. it and then play it again, which is bullshit. Yeah, that's right. You can play it if you don't have one in your hand, which is, like, good. It's fine. Yeah. How about an Avenger of Zendikar? Ooh, the old Avengy. Seven mana, five, five, enters the battlefield. You get a zero, one plant for each land you control. Landfall, put a plus one counter on each plant you control. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have to be lands or plants from him. If you just got plant tokens, plant tribal maybe? Ooh. You just put plus ones on them. I'm not sure how many other things make plants, but I know at least there's Colony Garden. There is another creature in this deck that is a plant. 
Oh yeah. I can think of a couple. There's like a Kazandu vine lasher oh, or something. I see. I yeah, see he's it. Right here, we could play Utopia Tree instead of Death Right Shaman. Oh, it's just as good. Welcome to Janktown. <laughs> How about an Elvish Reclaimer? That's a card. This card sees playing Legacy. Oh, this is a 1-2 Elf for green. Gets plus 2, plus 2 as long as you control three or more lands in your graveyard. You control them in your graveyard. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. Pay 2, tap, sack a land, search your library for a land, put onto the battlefield, tap. So essentially that is like a crop rotation for 2. So he's a shitty crop rotation. He, well, he's a 3-4 uh, crop rotation if they got like a Tarmogoyf. I guess that's fine. Well, that's pretty good. That's fine. <laughs> that's like a three, four crop rotation to find you your um, your Caracas if they've got a fucking uh, Merit Lage. Good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. He's all a good right. card there, now, right? There we go. He's a little better now, yeah. Uh, how about Dread Presence? This one is one that I wish I could play in my lands deck. We mentioned that we both have decks similar to this on the pre-show. So this is a three, three for four. Whenever a swamp land falls... You, you choose one, right? Draw a card and lose a life, or it deals two damage to any target and you gain two life. It's just Swamp Landfall. And, I mean, you could play Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth to make all swamps, you know? Yeah. But this is like, I don't know. I don't want to play just a, an Urborg. I'll cut my only basic swamp for an Urborg, then I can't find anything if I have to find a basic. That's sucky. Ooh. Yeah, that's terrible. That's not the best. I always so. think this guy's an enchantment. Like when you look at the picture, it looks like an enchantment. And when Man, you read the name, it's like an oh, enchantment. I, I just, yeah, Dread Presence seems a little bit like an enchantment. He's a nightmare, and that is a nightmare looking card. Yeah. You know, it looks like Slenderman, kind of, hey? It looks like Groot. Looks like a spookier Groot. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to make to combine those words. Let's just keep going. How about Jaddy Offshoot? Jaddy Offshoot is a 0-3 for green defender, landfall, plant. Plant. ETB, oh no, sorry, landfall, gain a life. We can do better. Yeah, but you know what? For an EDH and M deck where I'm not going to like run some of the stuff we talked about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. This is fine. This is fine. You know what? In the long game type decks that we see that have not very compact combo win conditions, this is fine because it's going to keep you from dying. Sure. Especially in this deck where you've got, like, uh, another thing that we're going to talk about. Uh, we've got an Eternal Witness. Everybody knows Eternal Witness. Gets you a thing back, yeah. How about a Lazav the Multifarious? This is a novel. He's just cost what? Uh, he just costs blue-black, hey? Yeah. 1-3 Shapeshifter. When he enters the battlefield, surveil. So you look at the top one, and you can put it on top or on into your graveyard. And then you can pay X... And he becomes a copy of target creature in your graveyard with converted mana cost X, except its name is still Lazov. And and he keeps that ability. Yeah. So you just enter the battlefield, surveil something into your graveyard, and then he just becomes the best thing in your graveyard. That's pretty good. But you can keep doing that for as many times as you want. Yeah. Lots of weird combos with him, right? You make him something and then do something with it. but Or you make him something... And then you activate his ability again with that first time activating on the stack. It's kind of like a Mirage Mirror, but with less layering difficulties. Yeah. You can do yeah, all yeah. sorts of crazy shit with him. Uh, how about a Lotus Cobra? That's a 2-1 landfall, get another mana. So you add a mana to your mana pool. I was playing standard when he was a standard card, and I never really played with him. Like I played against it all the time. But then when I started playing them, that's a good-ass card. Yeah. I really like Lewis Cobra. You know what's sweet? Way back in the day, like sometime pre-Innistrad, but post-Zendikar when that was printed, my claim to fame as a vintage player, my buddy Mitch 
goes on our Facebook, like the Magic Facebook group for Saskatoon. He goes, you know, I was testing whatever whatever vintage deck because that's like all I play now. Ryan was right. Lotus Cobra is really good, and it should see playing vintage. <laughs> it has since fallen out of favor, but you know what? For like one month ever, I was the smartest guy in vintage. Way to go, man. That's it. All right, we got this. Below. Yeah, <laughs> fucking God damn it. God damn it, this Every, card. The last two times I've seen this card, I got killed by it. Duh. I guess that's why it was good and standard in Kamigawa days, too. So it's a 2-4. Moonfolk Wizard for blue four. We've never played this in a in a in a deck before. We have not. Sorry, I think I might have just been quiet there. That's I fine. I was pretty far away from the mic. Flying because it's it flies apparently. Moonfolk fly apparently. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. One return a land you control to its owner's hand. Put a one one blue illusion creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Neat. You get the Spanish one. You makes it two two. Just FYI. Really? Yeah. Cool. It was a misprint in the just in the Spanish or Portuguese language. Yeah, card laid, card played, I always say. How about Grazing Gladeheart? 2-2 two, two for 3, Landfall, gain 2 life. We can do better than that. But, again, it speaks to the keeping the power level of the deck. Yeah, see the caddy shooter, whatever it was called. Yeah, how about uh, Obnix the Fallen? 3-3 three, three for 5, Landfall, put 3 plus 1s on him, and target player loses 3 life. It's pretty good. I like that it's landfall, somebody loses three life. You know what I like better than that is landfall, each opponent loses one life. Because it's still three, but it's three to everybody, so everybody's ticking down. I don't know, this was before EDH was a format. That's right. Sickest play I ever saw, F.U. Jewel goes some kind crazy landfall thing and makes his Obnixilis, who is a demon, by the way, creature type. He plays like six lands in a turn or whatever, so his Obnix list gets like plus 18, plus 18. So it's a 21-21, and he goes to he goes to Evan. He looks at him sideways. He goes, you got any flying blocks? Evan goes, no. Joel goes, take 21. And Evan's just like, oh, dang, I guess I got to take 21. So he took it all, <laughs> and he fucking died. <laughs> and then Joel goes, pass the turn. And then uh, he goes, Evan, you're an idiot. Obnixilis doesn't even fly. <laughs> <laughs> I did that to little Ben at oh, Legacy one time. man. Was... Sickest play ever. And all the time with Putrid Imps in Legacy. Don't they fly? When you have Threshold. But if you don't have Threshold and you're just swinging with a Putrid Imp. Oh. oh, oh dirty so mind good. games. Uh, next up, we have an Oracle of Moldiah. I think everybody knows Oracle of Moldiah at this point, hey? Yeah, you can play two lands, and you can play with the top card of your library revealed, and if it's a land, you can play it. So you can right. go land off the top, land off the top, unlike Corsair of Crufix. Correct. Uh, Rampaging Bayloth. 6-6 six, six, Trample for 6, Landfall, get a 4-4 four, four Beast. Reclamation Sage. ETBs, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Is that an elf? What is that? That is an elf shaman. It is an elf shaman. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure about this one. This one I don't get in this deck. Risen Reef. Okay, let's give it a read here. This is a 1-1 uh, elemental from M20 for blue-green 1. Whenever Risen Reef or another elemental enters a battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you can put it onto the battlefield tapped. If you don't, put that card onto the battlefield. And, uh, put the card into your hand if you don't. If it's a land, it goes into play. If it's not, it goes into your hand. Oh, if you don't put that land onto the battlefield, it goes into your hand. Kind of like Coiling Oracle. Exactly. It turns all of your elementals into Coiling Oracle, but the the only elemental we've really talked about so far besides Risen Reef is Muldratha, and I think there's one other one coming up. What about Avenger of Zendikar? And Avenger of Zendikar, but like that's a... 
I don't know, it seems pretty, I don't know, medium, when there are things that can get you more elemental creature tokens. And I would know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's continue on. Maybe we'll find, maybe we'll, maybe we'll find reason for it. We have a Sakura Tribe Elder. Everybody knows that one. Sack it, get a land, and to play tapped. Ramunap Excavator. It's a Crucible on Legs. Plays a land from your graveyard. Super important in a deck like this. Absolutely it is. Sidisi Undead Brazier. Sidisi Undead Brazier, as you say? That's right. 4-6 D-Touch for 5. It exploits when it ETBs, so when it enters the battlefield, you sacrifice a creature. And when you do, you can search your library for a card put into your hand. Would you find a Gitrog monster? I could. It's in the deck. Is that alphabetically? Actually, uh, no, it's not. No. <laughs> so it's a five drop six six with death touch. Ooh, I play this in my lands deck. Six six sixes love their death touch. Yeah. At the beginning of your upkeep, sack a land or sacrifice Gitrog monster. You can play an additional land during your turn, and whenever a land goes into your graveyard from anywhere, draw a card. From anywhere. Anywhere. So you discard one or mill one, you're drawing cards. Very much so. Yes. All right, next up we've got a Sylvan Safekeeper. Good way to sacrifice your land to draw cards with your Gitrog to play extra land because he is a 1-1 one, one for 1. This is a powerful card in CEDH to go along with your Gitrog and your Sidisi. Aiden, you dirtbag. <laughs> sacrifice a land, target creature gains Shroud until end of turn. Yes. We have a Solemn Simulacrum. It... Searches for a land and draws you a card. We have a Wayward Sword Tooth. It's exploration, but it's a 5-5 five, five dude for three. And we have a Tireless Tracker. Ooh, yeah. This is getting popular in Commandy and Legacy and everywhere, right? It's a good card. It's a 2-3 three for three when you landfall, right? Yep. Landfall, investigate. And what that means is you get a clue token that has two, sacrifice it, draw a card. And whenever you sacrifice a clue, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So essentially, it's pay two to draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on your tireless tracker. It's a good-ass card. So yeah, you, just, you want to draw cards? Yeah, sure, I'll get bigger. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, so I'll do it. <laughs> All right, we have a couple. El Let's do the elementals together, because there's two more elementals here. We have a Titania Protector of Argoth. Oh, she makes elementals with your Risen Reef. She does, for second land. Yeah. Okay, so when she ETBs... You get a land card back from your graveyard to the battlefield. So that's good. Yep. And whenever a land you control is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you get a three, a 5-3 elemental, yes. which would trigger your Risen Reef. Okay. Right. So that's that's a thing. That could be a thing. Lands dying is less easy to do than lands coming into play because you have to find a way of sacking your land. And yes, they exist. I'm just saying like there could be other ways of abusing that Risen Reef. Like If you want to abuse Risen Reef... Let's abuse Risen Reef. Yeah, well, Titania goes in the Risen Reef deck for sure. Sure does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how about Yarok the Desecrated? Also an elemental, also takes advantage of Risen Reef and Titania because he is a 3-5 Death Touch lifelink for Salt Iron 2, and if a permanent enters a battlefield, cause an ability that you control the trigger, it triggers twice. Let's get real for just a second. What the fuck is that picture supposed to be? Is that a sliver with, like, a pizza bread that it threw up in the air and it landed on its head and now it can't find its way out and it's stumbling through some kind of spidery cavern? Like, what is that supposed to be? It's a pokey elemental. I, I, what I said is just as accurate as what you said. That's true. That's, if you have any idea what Yarok is supposed to be, get at us. Next up, we have Tatyova Benthic Druid. It's too bad she's not an elemental. 
<laughs> I don't know, whatever. Three, three for five, Merfolk Druid. Landfall, draw card, gain a life. What the hell? What were they? And it's an uncommon. Ah. Yeah. Just, just, just shut up, Tatiova. That's absurd. And the last creature is a trophy mage. This ETB searches for a artifact with converted mana cost three. I assume that's for your Crucible of Worlds, right? Most likely. We'll we'll figure that out when we get to the artifact section. For right now, we're going to hit some uh, some instants. Uh, let's. We could probably clump the ones that are synonymous with Saltai EDH, and then we can talk about the couple land ones after. Sure. So we talk about Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy, Cyclonic Rift, Worldly Tutor, and Mystical Tutor. Ooh. Okay. And then the land relevant ones are the aforementioned Crop Rotation, instant for green. Additional cost, sack a land. Then you search your library for a land, put it onto the battlefield, <clears throat> untapped. So switch that forest for a Gaius Cradle. Not terrible. Yeah. I've I've kind of done that before. Switch that imprisoned in the moon creature that you have for a Gaius Cradle. You could probably switch anything for a Gaius Cradle. That's sure pretty could. good. <laughs> <laughs> Swap that basic. For a strip mine to get your opponent's guy's oh, cradle. Oh, now yeah, we're talking. There it is. Yeah, there. Now, we're, now we got it. Get your crop rotation on your Isochron Scepter with your Gitrog in play so you can draw two cards per turn and wasteland every turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, last one, Growth Spiral. I always forget that this one's an instant, but it's blue, green, instant, Draw a card. You can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So essentially, that's draw a card, play an extra land. It's like way better explore because it's an instant. Oh yeah, explore. Yeah, it's harder to play, but it, it's it's really good. Is explore not an instant? Explore is not an instant. Sure. And you'll notice that the deck is a little bit more. You can tell the tuned niche of it because there's two tutors here. Two we've, tutors. We've... You've got abrupt decay and assassin's trophy, which are both like very on point pinpoint removal there's crop rotation which in this deck is a tutor right yeah um, you're just going to get the land that you need your your strip mine your maze of ith your whatever utility land is going to keep you from losing usually yeah and then it's going to rift because because rift because why not because fuck you <laughs> <laughs> all right for sorceries we've got a green sun zenith we've got a maelstrom pulse we have a splendid wreck which is a standard in all lands decks yeah we'll give it a read here return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped when you have a tatiova when you have a risen reef and a titania titania that's going to bring all your lands yeah. back or a rampaging bayloth or yeah oh yeah yeah, there's lots of lots of cool stuff to be okay. doing with a Splendid Wreck. I, uh, at EDH&M last week, I Risen Reefed into a, what's that enchantment I like so much? Squandered Resources. Yep. And then I sacked like all 13 of my land. To get 13 mana. To get 13 mana. And then I played Splendid Wreck with a bunch of it, got all that land back. Made a whole bunch of elementals because I think I had it was an, it was either an omnath or that enchantment that gives you two to elemental whenever land comes into play. Yep. So like I got like twenty seven elementals and drew like forty cards. It was insane. That's I, what land. That's land deck doing land deck things, right? Yeah, man. Splendid wreck facilitates all of that for sure. It sure does. Uh, we got a sylvan scrying. Sylvan scrying gets any land out of your deck. We yeah. should say that right into your hand. It gets any card, any land you want to your hand. Yeah. And then we've got a Life from the Loam, another land deck staple. Return up to three land cards from your graveyard to your hand, and it's got Dredge 3. So essentially, if it's in your graveyard and has Dredge 
n, the number, this case dredge three, if you would draw a card, instead you mill the top three cards of your library and you return it from your hand or graveyard to your hand. That card is so good. Yeah, the theory there is it gets three lands from your graveyard and it has dredge three. So if you dredge three lands, you could then cast your life from a moment, get all three of those lands back. That's right. Or you could like use your Tatiova and this to like use your extra land drops a turn to dredge yourself into not oblivion, but uh, damn near. Yeah, you know what? This lands deck has 49 lands in it, and your Omnath or Windgrace, how many lands they got in them? Uh, Omnath, I think, has 41, and Windgrace has 42. So I got like 64 in mine. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've went cast life from the loam. Land, 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 get them all back, and then next turn, ooh, instead of drawing, hmm. Dredge, 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 land, land, land. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Now what else we got? We got an Unearth. Unearth. This is um, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Cycling two. I'm going to say cycling isn't irrelevant because you have your life from the loam, which is going to let you get a land back if you're dredging or whatever, right? Sure. It gets it back into your hand, then you can cast your life again to get your land back. Okay, fine. Unearth instead of reanimate? Maybe it's just what he had. Maybe it's what he had. What can you get back that has mana cost three or less? Eternal Witness? Azusa. Azusa, okay, yeah. Uh, Ramunap Excavator is another one. There's yeah. quite a few. There's Coiling Oracle, Deathrite Shaman, Corsair of Crufix, Elvish Reclaimer, Jaddy Offshoot, Eternal Witness, Lissav the Multifurious, Lotus Cobra, Grazing Gladeheart, Reclamation Sage, Risen Reef, Sakura Tribe Elder, and Sylvan Safekeeper. And Tireless Tracker. Just to name a few. And Tireless Tracker. And Wayward Swordtooth. And Trophy Mage. Lots of stuff. Just to name a few. Yeah, just to name a couple of cards you can get back with it. It's fine. It's a fine card. What's our last sorcery? Scapeshift. Scapeshift. Yeah, that card's going to win you the game. Yes. So essentially, four mana, sacrifice any number of lands, search your library for that same number of lands, put them onto the B. Tapped. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's going to win you the game. It's good with... I mean, you can't play Valakut in this one, but I believe we're playing a Field of the Dead. Yep. Which will make you a whole bunch of zombos to to win the game with. Let's, let's look at a couple enchantments that may or may not win us the game if we scape shifted or Splendid Reclamationed. Uh, we've got a Retreat to Hagra and a Retreat to Kazandu. I think Retreat to Hagra is the one that we're looking at. Very much so. Enchantment, black, two, landfall, target creature gets plus one, who cares? Other ability, you could choose either or. Each opponent loses one life, you gain one life. There you go. So just sacrifice all your lands. Get them all back with Splendid Reclamation or sacrifice them to Scape Shift and then sacrifice all the new ones and then get them back with Splendid Wreck. Yeah, if you can cast either of those cards, you're probably going to win with this deck. Yes, that is that is the deal. Retreat Kazandu is the other one. It gains you life or puts plus one, plus one counters on your dudes. Again, it's one of those cards that's got some life gain in it. I think that you could probably just dump that for something that's just got a little bit more ass-kicking power. If you want to beat wholesale ass, yeah. you don't need to gain life. Yeah, you know what? The only the only thing I'm looking at is Retreat to Hegra and Kazandu both give a creature plus one power on landfall. There is times where I've got my 1-1 one, one and somebody's at like 13, and I go Retreat to Hegra, Scape Shift, give my guy plus 14, plus 14, kill you. Like that that is a thing I have pumped I think one time ever with retreat to Hagra. I've pumped one time or one time I remember I cracked a fetch land on my opponent's turn to give my guy plus one plus oh and death touch with retreat to Hagra. 
like as a combat trick. Utility. It's that's it's a all, thing. It's all good. What else we got here in enchantments? We have exploration. Let's you play an additional land on each of your turn. Yep. We have a Sylvan library, and while it does have a novel of text on it, I think we all know what that does. Yeah, it means draw three cards, take eight damage. How about trade routes? Ooh. One, return target land you control to owner's hand. Fine. All of the landfall gain of life doesn't look so bad if you have, like, landfall gain of life, Lotus Cobra, and all of your play extra land stuff because your Lotus Cobra is going to give you the one mana that you need to bounce that land. If you can play five or six land per turn, which is not, I mean, that's not unrealistic if you've got six or seven things that let you play extra land. Yeah. Right? So all of a sudden, every land drop's gaining you one or two life. Like, or, or a 4-4. Four, four. Or it's draining your opponents for one. Yeah, that one's really good. And <laughs> you know what? That one actually gains you life too. Like drain one, I gain one. Ooh, not terrible. It's not too bad at all. Other ability, one, discard a card, draw a card. If you discard that land to draw a card and you're just going to get that land back, ooh, yeah. Yes, nothing that's wrong. also good. Yeah, pay two to discard a card and draw a card, and yeah, it's it's good stuff. Uh, other enchantments we have, we have Animate Dead, Dance the Dead, Necromancy. Those are all reanimate cards. We're also playing Phyrexian Arena. At the beginning of your upkeep, lose a life and draw a card. Very good. And lastly, we have a Pernicious Deed. Ooh, this is interesting over top of like damnation because it's an enchantment you can like it's a permanent you can play it from your graveyard for, with Moldratha. That's maybe why he's running Animate Dead and Dance of the Dead instead of Reanimate. You can play them from your graveyard, yeah. yeah that's important. So Pernicious Deed is a sweeper. You just pay X when it's in the battlefield, destroy everything with converted mana cost X or less. Artifact creature and enchantment with converted mana cost X or less. So it doesn't get planes well. Oh yeah, sure. That's why it goes in um, planeswalker dot yeah, deck, right? Because it gets artifacts and it gets creatures. God damn it. There are three artifacts. Oh, baby. And you're thinking, oh, I already know what they are. You you do, but there are some noticeable excludes here, and you'll know what they are right after we're done doing all three of these cards. Crucible of Worlds is the first one. Land from your graveyard to the battlefield. Horn of Greed. Any player plays, plays a land, draw a card. Zurin Orb. Sack a land, gain two life. Great are, way to get all your lands into your graveyard at one time. Yes, sir. What are we missing there, right? We notably do not have something like a lotus petal, yep. which would sort of count as an extra land drop because it's a zero drop that you can sacrifice to get a man of any color. And you could do that once every single turn if you have a Muldratha out. What I like better in a Muldratha deck, Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, because you don't need no hand. No hand, because you just play your permanent cards from your graveyard with Maldratha, sack your Lion's Eye Diamond, discard your hand, get three mana of any color. Now, both of those suggestions are a big FU to the budget. But you know what? Yeah, one is like a $12 FU, and one is just like... Yeah. How much is a Lion's Eye Diamond right now, Ron? Uh, like 350 or let's, something. Let's look it up. It's like $200. It's fine. 200 USD. Yeah. Oh. Not so friendly to the budget. That's like seven thousand Canadian. Yeah, at, at least, at least the the exchange rate's much worse than it used to be. That yeah, they might be more. We don't even know. All right, last non-land section of the deck. We have planeswalkers. There's two of them. We have a Kiora the Crashing Wave. She's a two loyalty four mana planeswalker. Oh. I don't even know what the hell. What the you shit? You plus one her until end of turn. You prevent all damage. It would be dealt to. 
you just be dealt dealt to and dealt by target permanent and opponent controls good for stopping things like impact tremors or perforos sure very good you can also minus one or to draw a card and play an additional land this turn that's explore and the minus eight eight you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step you get a nine nine blue crack kraken creature token that's a five is that a five that's a hundred percent of five that's much better than eight. Yes, but she starts at two. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine as well be fucking eight. <laughs> All right, next Planeswalker, we have another exact same casting cost. Blue-green two, except this is a five loyalty Planeswalker. Ooh. In Tamio Collector of Tales. Spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanence. We were talking about this card last night and we couldn't think of the damn card. Yeah. Here so it is. That's her static ability. And she's got a plus. Choose a non-land card name, then reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all cards with the chosen name onto into your hand. And then the rest on into your graveyard. And you bin the rest, yeah. Well, you bin the rest, so that's kind of cool. You just like name something that's not in your deck and bin four land, draw four cards with your get drug. Yeah. I don't hate that. Not bad at all. Okay. And you can minus three it to return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Or you just plus her and you're like, okay, I'll name Splendid Wreck. And it's not there because you have 99 cards in your deck. And you but just bin your four lands and you just get four closer to your Splendid Wreck. four closer to the Splendid Wreck that you wanted. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Uh, so for land, we've got your standard, what you would expect to see. There's your fetch lands. There's some dual lands. There's some shock lands. There's a Bajuka Bog, all that stuff. We've also got a Field of the Dead and Dark Depths and a Glacial Chasm for you to hide behind. Yes, because Glacial Chasm, you can sacrifice it, but instead of paying the two-life cumulative upkeep, then you can play it from your graveyard. Ooh. That's right. There's also a Maze of Ith. Uh, we didn't talk about the fact that there is a Time Warp in this deck. I don't know how we missed that. I think we just missed it. We went over it. Five mana, take an extra turn. Then we have a Mystic Sanctuary so that you can just endlessly loop your... Time warp, take infinite turns. Yeah, you you play your Mystic Sanctuary when you have three or more islands, and it put, puts your time warp back on top of your library, and you can continuously bounce your Mystic Sanctuary with your Maloku the Clouded Mirror, and every time you do that, you make a 1-1 one, one and get your time warp back on your extra turn when you draw it. So you just make infinite 1-1s one, over the course of 20, 30, 40 turns, and if you don't win by attacking with your 1-1s, one, you get your Field of the Dead triggers at the same time. And if you don't win with that, you win with your Retreat to Hagra triggers. That's it. Mm. Get your Strip Mine, Thespian Stage to make your Dark Depths into a, something with zero counters to make a 20-20. That's right. we got a Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth to work with your Dread Presence. we yep. got Volrath Stronghold because it's just effing good. And we have a Yavimaya Hollow probably to protect your Moldratha. Yeah, I like... Regenerate target creature on Yavimaya Hollow better than I like Mystifying Maze, which is like the Maze of Ith that you have to tap four. Yeah, the Maze of Ith that sucks. Yeah, I'll block with my 6-6 six, six commander and then just regenerate it or prevent all damage to regenerate it, right? Yeah. Regenerate it instead of paying four to blank your creature. Yeah. That's fine. So, yeah, Land Suite, of course, it's it's... It's good, it's important, and there's lots of ways to find it and get those lands back. So, of course, you're going to have lands that do stuff, like like your strip mines that, in here. That's what land decks do. Yeah. Yes. So, we were talking about this a little bit off air. We'll get into a little bit now. I have a deck that's remarkably like this in Wind Grace. Ryan has one in, I think it's Child of Alara, right? It is, yeah. So, we both have lands decks. 
Uh, I play my Wind Grace at EDH and M all the time. I think it's I really enjoy it. I think it's fun. It's just kind of grow good stuff, value land stuff. I don't know how often you bring Child of Alara. I used to bring it frequently when EDH and M became bigger and bigger, and we really wanted to. Personally, you and I really wanted to make sure it stayed fun and casual and without a whole bunch of like instant combo win type decks, I stopped playing mine because I play ad nauseum in it with 63 land. I just draw my entire deck and then win. Win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Now, we talked earlier about how like this is one of Aiden's more powerful decks. He doesn't play it as often. It is a little bit more tuned. And we were talking and we think that this one is about as tuned as you want to get. Like we like at our EDH night and he could tune this thing up to be a monster with nothing but money you know like it just costs money it's easy to make the cuts it's not like it's the deck is so tightly woven you can't fit the really busted ass shit in here but he could yeah and you know what i've got a couple notes here for anybody who's venturing out or wants to start their own edh and m type scenario and the first thing i want to start with is players out there this like i'm addressing directly to people who sit down and want to have the conversation before the game like we're supposed to do and and somebody who says i've got og duels in my deck or i play duels and fetches and then somebody else saying well that's too competitive those people are wrong i think that those people are wrong if i have dual lands i'm going to play them and i can't say that my deck goes from you know, mid-tier power level to top-tier power level because I'm running Underground Sea instead of Watery Grave. Like, that's not true. That's not, that's 100% not true. So, while duels and fetches make my decks better, I think that's irrefutable. True. It They don't make it so much better. So, uh, the only reason I wanted to mention that is because one of the things that does make a CEDH deck, a CEDH deck, is a tuned, optimized, efficient mana base. Yes. And this deck is getting there because it runs fetches, it has OG duels, it's got your strip mines, it's got like a Dark Depth, that's like a $40, $50 card, right? It's got the lands. It's got the stuff that it needs to be a CDH deck, it's just missing some of the, the cards that make it do that. Yeah, so when Aiden sits down, it would behoove him to communicate that. Remember, communication is key in the arc of EDH and M. It would behoove him to say, I'm running OG duels, but it's not a tuned CEDH like stacks lock you out Meldrotha deck. Yes. Which is great. And then usually, when, with my experience anyways, the next question is, well, what power level is it? People say, oh, it's a 7 out of 10. Everybody's deck is always a 7 out of 10, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, right? Everybody's Every single deck is always a 7. Or, you know what else it could be? A 10. You know yeah. what else it could be? A, a two. 2. It's like it's like you knew what I was going to say. It's like yeah. we've had this conversation before. <laughs> right? You could just draw every 6 and 7 drop in your deck and no land, and your deck is a 2. And that could happen 3 or 4 times in a row in the same night. Absolutely right? it could, yeah. And you could be playing in a tuned meta with a CEDH pod, and you could just draw your 6 drops. And just get wrecked. Right? Yeah. Or, like like I've done in the past, I could just curve into, you know, Torpor Orb on turn one, and then Lord of Tressorhorn on turn two, and then Infect and Chandra's Ignition on turn four, and my, air quotes, two out of ten Lord of Tressorhorn deck killed you on turn four. Yes. Like, what, what power level is that deck? Yeah. Right? It's, it's certainly not a ten, and that's why I'd like to 
propose that everybody when they have this power level conversation they stay away from numbers it's not about what your de- all edh decks can do powerful shit that's the point that's why we like playing edh <laughs> that's the point of edh yeah that's why we're playing that's it that's why we're not drafting bro yeah, every deck can do insane powerful shit it's the consistency with which it does that insanely powerful stuff early in the game yes that's so- what makes a deck more Competitive and powerful. How do we achieve that? We achieve that with efficient tuned mana bases. So we covered that, but that's not the only thing. So how else do we do that? Stuff like that isn't in this deck. Your mana rocks and things that give you more mana than you pay to play them. So that's Sol Ring, which we've kind of just unified with... It's synonymous with the format. So everybody's okay with that because it's the only one. But it's not. There's Mana Crypt, Mana Vault... There is at least three really good mocks, and another one that's fine. Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal, Grim Monolith. I'm going to say Basalt Monolith just because you can combo with it with a bunch of other cards. Those are the ones that are going to significantly put you ahead on resources and let you do something in the game before anybody else has a chance to play magic essentially right and if you're rocking all of those it's gonna it's like the turn one sol ring deck right or not deck but play if you go land sol ring your turn two is your turn four and you are ahead of everybody yes politically you've completely blown yourself out of the water but having more mana than everybody (laughs) else makes your deck better than everybody else's at that moment in time yeah usually the person that spends the most mana or does the most things with cards i'm going to get back to that in a second is the person that wins the game the person that that does the most game interactions wins so okay we've covered tune mana we've covered fast mana or resource accumulation very quickly the next one that we can ask players about in this pre-game conversation is how do you win or without without saying hey what combo do you win with so i know how to beat it right you can say how compact is your win condition is it two cards like painter grindstone painter grindstone exactly or is it like do you attack with creatures to win because attacking with creatures usually means you need to attack with a bunch of them or if you have one or two you need a bunch of other stuff to make them big enough to kill me yeah right and like if my win condition is two cards and I have 98 other slots or 96 other slots for like interaction and fast mana, I'm probably playing a deck that's better than yours. Yeah. If my win condition is 10 cards and I only have whatever, 80, 90 slots for other stuff, uh, my deck's probably not as powerful. Mm. And the last one is going back to how many interactions you have. How many counter spells do you run? Or how many pieces of fuck with my shit do you have? Right. That is those are all questions that we can ask before the game so we can have a equally matched competitive experience like we talked about last week. Yeah, we're all playing jank garbage that has no removal and we all play about six sweepers just to cover the whole table in a blanket of soot. Yep. And we're going to play a game that's equally matched for, you know, an hour Yeah. instead of, uh, yeah, my Moldrotha ducks like a seven and it's actually a nine and everybody else is playing their sevens and they get ranched and the game's over in four minutes. Here's what happens when you sit down with a Muldrotha and say it's a seven. The first time I ever played against Aiden, he played this Muldrotha deck, said it was a seven. I didn't believe him. I played Krenko and I wiped him out on turn three. (laughs) 
That's that's the opposite side of the coin when somebody doesn't believe you, right? Yeah, and I was just like, nah, no, because we had just got back from Calgary too, where like people were saying, yeah, I built my deck on the car on the way over. Yeah, fuck you, and I wasn't taking no shit from anybody. That's right, and that is the the stigma. I think that as you develop your local meta, that you can. Uh, start to avoid, right? Yeah, I don't even we, bring Cranko anymore because, like, I don't need him. Yeah, we know we know that Aiden's deck is strong, so when he sits down, I'll take the the strong deck that I have here out of my deck. But I know I don't have to sit down and try and combo faster than him, and I know that I don't have to try and fight through twenty pieces of interaction to land my one key spell, right? And that makes for when we're playing with a bunch of people who don't have the budget or the play experience that me and Aiden do or you and I do we know that that's going to be made uh, we know that that's going to make a funner game correct we we talked about this off the show too and we might as well just mention it while we're on the thing when you have decks like I don't I don't want to say like this one because this one I think is of a very good power level for having fun games when you have somebody that brings the powerful decks every week and you have people that have the decks that are just about there and they start ratcheting the power level of their deck up to match oh, that yeah. CDH player right and they want to get into those CDH games, but they only have one or two decks that are that are good, and the rest of them are kind of ratchet or jank. And then you get back into the reg... I don't want to say the normies, but you just go back out into the wild with your, the rest of the pods that you usually play with. Now you have this just-about CDH deck, and now you've... Like, and it's your only deck, so you're going back to play with the normies. Yeah, and, it's, and now it's become parasitic because now everybody's got to rise to match you, and all of a sudden all of that kind of fun stuff is gone because everybody has to run 38 counter spells and 22 different pieces of card drawn removal, and now you're and just... And two card win cons. Yeah, and everybody's yeah, running Painter's yeah, Grindstone. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've got, the example, we've got three CEDH players in our meta, hypothetically, and then Aiden sits down with his fairly powerful CEDH deck. Or sorry, fairly powerful deck. Yeah. Over the next couple weeks that he likes to play CEDH with these guys, he starts to like, oh, switch this out, switch this out, make it just a little bit better. He goes back into the normie meta. He just ranches everybody, so everybody else is like feeling like they don't want to play with them, or they have to up their power level to compete. And then the barrier to entry, the the barrier for new people coming into our meta, is that much higher. And you don't want that. I, yeah, I don't think that you do. Yeah, I would argue that you don't want that. You can have competitive, fun-ass games that don't cost you A, $3,000, and aren't people just sitting around flicking cards at each other until somebody lands two cards and wins. Yes. Until somebody can go Flash Hulk. Like, it's... it's yeah. Yeah. The At games least are, with Flash Hulk, that happens, like, on turn one. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> but games can be just as engaging and just as much fun if you're... As long as you're all on the same level. And I think that this deck is on the level, and it could be one of the upper levels if you're going to go out there and just play a game of Magic, but you want to do some more powerful stuff. I very much like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you suggest that somebody has, um, like, when you get a deck to the level that this Muldrotha deck is at, do you suggest that a player would build a second deck? Like a, a, a lower-powered deck? If this was my only deck, I would think I would maybe build another one. Hmm? Not that like this thing isn't like a battleship blow you out of the water thing, but it's I think it's more powerful than some of the other decks that I've seen at EDH and M. I agree. Like of a like marked departure of how strong it is compared to some of the other ones. So I think that you should have something where you can tone it back a little bit, or again you end up in that arms race mentality. Because even if the deck is still fun, if everybody doesn't get to play their 
do what they want to do, do what they expect their experience to be. Yeah, like you want everybody to be able to show up and have fun. That doesn't mean that you have to dumb yourself down to play with somebody that wants to do mime tribal. But, you know, you got to remember that there are people out there that aren't here to crush face and play Legacy Light. They're here to just play casual kitchen table magic. Next t-shirts, Legacy Light. <laughs> it looks like a little beer can. It'll be awesome. Oh, yeah, that's it. Hey, uh, Max Crandell sent me a picture of the beer boxes that we're going to buy for our next couple Magic Fests. Ooh. 99 can boxes of beer. Jesus. <laughs> it's like a forklift to lift it. I'll bet it's terrible. <laughs> it's like blue ribbon or something. Oh, that's awful. Ah, whatever, 99. It's, it's in the States. It's probably like $4. <laughs> Should we run this deck through the Spice Calculator, Ryan? Yeah, we got to be a little bit quick. You know, I think we, we've talked about the strengths and weaknesses enough. It's very resilient. It's got multiple paths to victory, beating, landfalling, you name it. Decks like this can do it. Now, EDHREC.com. Saltai, that is green, blue, black. Maldrotha is the most popular commandy. By 100 plus percent. Yeah, 3,100 decks plus. Just uh, just above. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tassiger the Golden Fang. At 1400 Yeah. This deck, 2.93 average converted mana cost. Wow. Yeah. See, it's not, uh, it's not below 2.5 or 2.0, <laughs> which we've seen in, in CEDH lists. Five tutors, which that, is gonna hurt sort you. of lots. It's going to hurt the spice calculator, but you know what? I think purposefully not turning it into a competitive deck... Um, I'm going to give it some honorary spice. Agreed. Just for formality's sake, 30 cards different than the stock list on edhrec.com. Still pretty good. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not playing those. Um, we're not playing your Lotus Petals, your Lion's Eye Diamonds, and more tutors. <laughs> yes. We're not playing those, so we we'll punch it all in. 27.5, officially. We give it more. I give it 40. I'm just going to give it spicy with honors just because you, you know what Aiden's a good guy he never turns down beer he purposely doesn't make the deck too strong and he lends it out to our buddy Alex because he got his decks jacked all good things all good things all tremendous good bro stuff so you know what all of that sort of starts to sound like a final thought of the day give us a rundown a couple social media things play match charity events do your thing I assume you have all already seen us and played some games with us and have had a great time at the Extra Life event this Saturday, which is a couple of days ago now. So I assume we all had fun. So thanks, everybody, for coming out. If you want to get entered in to win our Fairy Brawl deck, you can check out any of our social media coordinates. They're in the show notes down below or at commandercookout.com. Check any of our contest giveaways. You get entered to win that deck plus the $25 gift card for face-to-facegames.com. They're our official sponsor. Thank you very much to them for having us around and for keeping the windows open and the lights on. They are Canada's biggest magic store in addition to being some, some pretty good guys. Tag them, tag us in the same post on some kind of social media. We'll get you in to win some money over at the site. You can buy yourself some jank stuff or possibly get yourself going towards some kind of sweet foil scalding tarn or something if you just win over and over again. And it could happen for you. It could. As far as the deck goes, I think this is a really good one. I really enjoy playing against it and its pilot. I think that they're good dudes, and I think that they're welcome additions to the EDH&M meta, and I think all of you would be lucky to have such a person around for you as well because they do nothing but make the Magic Knights more enjoyable for everybody. And really, that's what we're talking about on the arc, and that's what it's all about. So kudos to Aiden for doing that and building this deck and sending it in and we are going to be back with another one just like it on the next episode of Commander Cookout Podcast hit our theme song Woo!